cascading failure. I'm not sure if you've ever heard this term before, but cascading failure is a process when a system of interconnected parts in which the failure of one part starts to trigger the failure of other parts, and it happens down the chain. So it can happen in power transmission, it can happen in computer networking, it can happen in finance, transportation systems, organisms, families, ecosystems, and in the human body. Cascading failure occurs when one part fails. The other parts start taking up the slack for it, and then they become overloaded, and then they slowly become to fail, and so on. Now, most of you, if you are my age or older, you have experienced this in your body. Now, if you're younger than me, some of you more than others, but I'm definitely getting to that point where uh, it, it happens, but if you're younger, so let's take the example, you're walking down the road and you stub your toe really bad and it hurts. So then you're, you're not walking quite right, right? You're trying to keep the pressure off of your toe. What starts to happen? Your knees start hurting, don't they? They start aching. And then, you know, you're, you're walking this way and then your back just starts just aching because the toe isn't working as it was function, as it should function. So soon, our whole bodies begin to fail. So today we're going to look how God created us to be interconnected body. We are a community of, with God and with each other. We're going to look at this interconnectedness in three different angles this morning. The first one is that we are created for community. The Bible teaches us that we each have a role to play in this body, and it teaches us that we are better together. So the second angle that we're going to look at is that the covenant is community. We're going to just briefly kind of look at the covenant denomination and its history, its affirmations, mission priorities, and, and some of the commitments as a covenant church that we make. Because again, we are better together. And then the third angle that we're going to do is we're going to talk about Simi Covenant, the past, the present, and what is in store for the future. Because the past is important, but it does not determine our future. We need to focus on God's mission since we are definitely better together. So today we're going to look at a passage from 1 Corinthians, and I, it's a little small, sorry. Um, but this passage from 1 Corinthians had a major role in forming our denomination and it really should impact our everyday lives as well. So this letter Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and now the church in Corinth, Corinth was one of the major cities in Greece at the time, and it was estimated to have approximately 250,000 free people and another 400,000 slaves. It was a typical Greco-Roman city. It had a variety of ethnic mixes. It had uh, different cultures, lots of different religions, uh, temples, immorality of every kind in this city. And it's no wonder that this church in Corinth was also plagued with numerous problems. The problem that Paul is addressing in this letter is factions had begun to develop in the church. Um, so Paul uses this um, church at this epicenter of society that's even having problems to do amazing things. So we're going to read this together. Just as the body through one has many parts but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So in this passage, Paul is actually using the metaphor of the body very subversively. In that culture, in that Greco-Roman culture, this metaphor would have actually been used in politics to define hierarchy of classes and of people. But Paul turns it upside down. And he scandalously claims that societies, the weaker parts, are indispensable. It was more the way that Paul would teach about equality and community. And I just want to make sure this end passage um, really sticks with us. We're going to read it one more time. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Cascading failure. Without one part of the body working correctly, the whole body suffers. But we get to rejoice when the body is working together because we are better together. So understanding that we are created for community and that God desires us to live this out takes us to our second point. What is the covenant? The covenant is community. The word covenant is one of those amazing special words that can be a noun and a verb. It's a noun when we enter into agreement with God or with each other. But it's also a verb because it's though as we enter, we are covenanting together. And I just am so in love that it, that is part of our namesake. So the covenant denomination was founded in 1885 when a group of Swedish immigrants calling themselves mission friends, they banded together in relationship becoming united around a common experience of new life through their faith in the risen Lord, they began a movement. 
And it was in that unity that they realized that if they began to form a denomination, they could do more good than if they were on their own in their own little churches. So in our denominations near 150-year history, there have been plenty of difficult times. There have been times that that unity has been threatened. But continually, even in the worst times of American culture, covenanters, they continue to ask hard questions, they search the scriptures, and they fought for equality and unity. And although that we are a relatively obscure denomination in a just a little grain of sand in the, uh, the ocean of, you know, Protestant denominations, covenanters love our grain of sand. We're proud of what our grain of sand stands up for and we, what it we're about. And many of us, like, can't imagine life on any other grain of sand out there. So what does it mean to be covenant? The covenant denomination has six affirmations. We're going to go over those real briefly. The first one is we affirm the centrality of the Word of God. We believe that the Bible is the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. It is the reason we pursue ethnic diversity in our churches, and it's the inspiration for our acts of compassion, our mercy, and justice. The next one, we affirm the necessity of new birth. New birth means that committing ourselves to Christ and receiving forgiveness and acceptance and eternal life through the work that he did on the cross. However, new birth is only the beginning Growing to maturity in Christ, it's a lifelong process, and we are people that are continually striving to be transformed by Christ. We affirm the commitment to the whole mission of the church. Early covenanters were known as mission friends. They were friends that came together to carry out God's mission both near and far. The mission is twofold. It calls us to go into all the world making disciples, but it also calls us to love the Lord our God and our neighbors as ourselves. We affirm the church as a fellowship of believers. The church is not an institution. It's not an organization or a building. It is a grace-filled fellowship of believers who participate in the mission of Jesus. It is a family of equals. Each part is equal importance. Each part has a specific function in the body. We affirm a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. We affirm a Trinitarian understanding of God as Father, as Son, and as Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who enables our obedience in Christ and conforms us to his image. It's the spirit within us that provides us with spiritual gifts and enables us to continue Christ's mission in the world. It is the spirit that binds us together as the body of Christ. The last one, we affirm the reality of freedom in Christ. This freedom is a gift in God in Christ and it manifests itself in relationship with God and others. United in Christ, we offer freedom to one another to differ on issues of belief and practice where biblical and historical uh, records seem to allow for a variety of interpretations to the will and the purposes of God. And again, we seek to focus on what unites us as followers of Christ because we are better together. 
And it's through these six affirmations that the denomination has organized into five mission priorities. And these priorities are not just, you know, words on a screen or on a piece of paper, but they need to be our priorities as a covenant church and in our lives as we call ourselves covenanters. So start and strengthen churches. As a denomination and a church, we need to be committed to start and strengthen healthy missional churches, much like the churches the Apostle Paul started, and he continued to strengthen in the New Testament, just like we were talking about, the church in Corinth. The local church is God's basic strategy to carry out his mission in the world. We need to make and deepen disciples. We need to reach people with new life in Christ, and then to help them grow deeper in that relationship. We are all called to evangelism, and we understand that discipleship is a lifelong journey. Uh, we seek to develop leaders. We are committed to our clergy through investing in their ongoing personal and po professional growth, but we also seek to develop lay leaders as well in our denomination. We love mercy and we do justice. We're committed to pursuing compassion and justice throughout our world. From the inception, the covenant has been concerned with helping others. That's loving mercy. And addressing the causes of the hurt. That is doing justice. From a biblically rooted perspective, we provide tangible ways of extending the love of Jesus through advocacy. And we serve globally. We're committed to a global gospel of extending the whole gospel to the whole world. And through that, we partnerships and our own missionary efforts, we go back and we make in, we deepen disciples, we start and we strengthen churches, we develop leaders, we love mercy, and we do justice throughout the world. So in Craig Van Gelder's book, The Essence of the Church, he writes, the church lives between the times for the church, heaven has already begun. The full redemptive power of God through the Spirit has entered time, space, history. Jesus' inauguration of God's reign was the beginning of the end. The future is an accomplished fact, even though it is still unfolding in human history. In a sinful world, the presence of the church demonstrates that heaven has already begun in terms of the presence and the power of the Spirit in our midst. This is true even though sin has not yet been fully judged nor the power of evil removed. As a new humanity, the church is responsible to bring God's redeeming power to every dimension of life. Now that's going to bring us to our third point, Simikov our past, our present, and our future. So where does Simi Covenant fit into the big picture of God's work in the world? Just as each of us are part of this body, this church is part of the larger body. It's part of the denomination. It's got a part in Simi Valley. It has a place in the world. So Simi Covenant now has over 65 years of history. It started out as a few covenanters from Los Angeles, moving out to a rural but growing suburb in the mid-60s. True to its covenant roots and humble beginnings, a handful of faithful followers began to meet in a women's auxiliary club. And I have no idea where that was, but somewhere. Uh, 
They eventually, they signed a charter and they became an official covenant church in 1964. This body was on mission. They were on mission to tell others about Jesus and to transform a growing community that needed the good news of Jesus. As the church continued to grow, they ended up buying this property where we're now meeting. They continued to build physically, numerically, but most important, spiritually. They knew that they must continually grow deeper in that covenant with God and with each other to fulfill his mission in Simi Valley and throughout the world. They sent missionaries and supported missionaries. In the 70s, they built a preschool and started a preschool for the families in this growing community that they knew needed to know Jesus. In the year 2000, we planted a sister Spanish-speaking church. The 65 years of ministry, this church body has touched thousands of lives with the good news of Jesus. One of those lives that was touched was my own. Invited to see me Covenant's youth group by a boy. Uh, I found a family that I didn't even know I needed. And although I had grown up in a different church and I knew that Christians were good people, it was here that I learned about a Jesus, that even though my messed up life, he knew all about it, he loved me deeply anyway. And I just want to thank those of you that are here that had a part in those very transformative years in my life, because there's some of you out there still, so thank you. Um, times for Simi Covenant have not always been easy. There have been many ups and downs. There has been great joy and times of deep sorrow. But today, church, we are at a crossroads of such. I know that many of you are tired, and that's probably an understatement. It's probably more like exhausted. The continual transition of the last 10 years has begun to take its toll. But however, I believe that the best years of this church are still in the future. And if you don't believe that, go home now and just shut the door behind you because God is working. Yeah, God's mission has not changed. The mission of Simi Covenant has not changed. It is still the responsibility of the church to reach those in our community with the good news. But you know what? You each need to do your part. Whether you're an eye, you're a hand, you're a baby toe, you have a job to do. You must not only just be willing to do it, you need to be eager to do it. You need to be excited to do it. You need to have that vision of what God is going to do because we are better together. So taking those mission priorities, the covenant also has some things that we, we covenant to, we, we agree to, we commit to. And as these are part of the denomination, I am challenging you today to make these yours and to make these for your church. Now, on your um, bulletin, I, I went ahead and had Christy type them out for you so you have a little head start because I know there was a lot of writing. So we're going to take some time, and you're going to like kind of think these through and write some notes. I know there's not a whole lot of places to write notes, but... Um, as we go through these together, uh, we're going to look at some challenging, I want you to come up with some concrete ways, not just like, oh, I'm going to be a better person and, you know, talk to the person sitting next to me, but we're going to come up with some concrete ways to do these. So the first one, Simi Cove is committed to worshiping and praying to God. This is not just something we do on Sunday mornings, but it has to be an integral part of each one of our lives. So what is one thing this week that you're going to do to pray and worship? 
Now, you know, it could just be putting on praise music instead of sports radio on your commute to work. Or, or walking your neighborhood, just praying for each family, whether you know them or not. So think of some concrete ways that you can live this out this week, either here at church or in your community, in your life. The next one, we're going to celebrate the sacraments, which actually I think my slides are wrong because the next one is actually preaching and studying the word. Um, yeah, that's on your thing. Okay, so perfect. Just ignore the slide for a second. Um, you are called to be leading and preaching to those in your sphere of influence. Again, it said, we are committed to both clergy and lay leaders. We are all have a responsibility. So what are you going to do this week to study and teach? And if you've got kids or grandkids, you, know, you can teach them. You can be leading them. Um, so think about it. Take some time now and just kind of start, start jotting down some notes. So now the next one is celebrating the sacraments. So this one seems like it might be a little trickier, um, but we need to celebrate the Lord's table, and we need to continue to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I want you this week, how can you dwell and celebrate your baptism? And if you haven't gotten that far yet because you're not sure about this whole Jesus thing, but you're kind of curious and you talk to one, you know, myself or Pastor Matt, because following Jesus is just going to change your life immensely. So how are you going to live that out this week? The next one is fellowshipping together. Your fellowship, it must run across gender, race, age, culture, political affiliation, and class lines. And how can you fellowship this week with someone that is different than you? Could you invite someone to lunch or to coffee that's maybe from a different race, culture class, a different generation? Think about this week. How can you live this out in your life? The next one is, see me covenant, you must be a community that is committed to equipping, loving, giving, and growing Christians. It is every person's responsibility to join a grow group, to give sacrificially to the church, and to love well. Where are you going to stretch yourself this week? See me covenant, you must be a community that is reaching out with the good news of Christ. Oh, that's why they're out of order. Okay. It is not someone else's responsibility. We are all called to be evangelizing those in our circle of friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, our acquaintances that we meet maybe on the soccer field of our kids' sporting events, the clerk in the grocery store that we see every Thursday afternoon. We need to be continually praying and looking for opportunities to share with others what Jesus has done in our life. This week, who are you going to pray for and look for opportunities to share what Jesus has done with? I know that I myself, I have just walked away from doors that God has thrown wide open because I didn't know what to say or I felt insecure. And then you go back and you're like, why didn't I step through that door and have that conversation? God had prepared it for me. So I want you guys to be preparing and praying. Who is that person that God is preparing you to talk to? And next, see me covenant. You need to be a community that is committed to ministering to those in need. 
You need to be looking for ways to help. Serving dinner at the Samaritan Center and Serve Day and Christmas Shop and giving it to the Benevolence Funds, those are all really good things. But they're not enough. As a church and as individuals, we need to be constantly looking, seeking out those in need, just as Jesus did. So, what need can you meet this week? Is there someone you know that might need a meal? Somebody might need a ride to the doctors or just a card to say, hey, I'm thinking and praying for you. Who are you going to help this week? And lastly, Simi Covenant needs to be a community that is committed to seeking justice for the oppressed. It is your calling as Christians to be taking care of those in the margins. In Bible times, we may mainly think of, oh, it was widows and orphans. But you know what? It was so much more that Jesus was committed to. And today, that includes immigrants and refugees and the convict, the addict, and those in the LGBTQ community, just to name a few. As Christ followers, we must believe that the Bible is the word of God, and we must seek justice for all that are oppressed. Who are you going to seek justice for this week? Take some time to think about that. We are better together. The New Living Translation of Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. And I'm not going to put it up on your screen, just, just listen. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, Two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one stay warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So see me, Covenant, I want to leave you with this. Avoid cascading failure. Whether you are a foot, a ligament, a muscle, a you know, bone, or a janky, nasty fingernail, I don't care what part you are, you have a job to do in this body called Simi Covenant. The body is not complete if you are not doing what you were created for. Other parts might pick up the slack for some time, but what's going to happen? They're going to become overworked and they're gonna start failing, and the system is slowly going to overload. The body must be functioning as God intended. So God's mission has not stopped. Your mission as Christ followers cannot stop either, because remember, we are better together. So the band, I'm gonna pray, and the band's gonna come back up. And I'm going to take, we're going to take some time, and Jay will probably tell you the same thing, is, is start thinking those things through on your notes. And if you are tech savvy, I'm going to ask you to take a picture of your notes, or at least just take a picture of this, and put it on your screensaver on your phone for the week. So this week, like every time you turn your phone on, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be like doing something, right? So go ahead and, and do that. Um, but let's go ahead and, and close in prayer. Yes. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Simi Covenant Church and the denomination that we are a part of, Lord. 
And we just thank you for the history and the future that you are laying out before us. Help us to not be afraid, but to be excited about what is coming, Lord. Not to be exhausted, but to know that we are working for you and for your kingdom in a community that desperately needs to know you, Lord. Lord, just love you. And I just pray that each person in here just embraces their part of the body. And sometimes we do, we think, oh, well, I can't do, you know, this, but I, I, I can't, you know, but we all have something we can do, Lord. And just let that sink in. Holy Spirit, come to this place and work in everybody's heart. Let them know what things that they can do, what special gifts you have given them and jobs to do. Because, Lord, we know that we are better together. In your name, amen.